Welcome to Math Splained, where we break down a question, event, news, or trend. My name is Lizelle from Mavs Digital, and today I'm joined by Becca. Hey, good to be back. Woohoo! And I'm really excited today, Becca, because today, joining us, we have the former VP of Basketball Communications. She has been with the Mavs for 20 years and retired after 20 years. The Mavs was her first job out of college. She drove down from Indianapolis, Indiana, went to IU, and has been in Dallas ever since. Join me in welcoming Miss Sarah Melton, who was the VP of Basketball PR for the Mavericks for 20 years. Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be here and see your cute faces. This is a blast. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. I know definitely in the sports industry, you are somebody I look up to. I'm glad to call you my colleague and friend. I remember my first ever like starstruck moment. This might be silly. I've never told you the story, Sarah, was I remember (laughs) when like Kobe was still playing and Kobe walked in and you were handing off PR notes to like the Lakers counterpart. And I remember you hugging Kobe, like you were greeting him, like, oh, hey, what's up? And I like remember turning to Steve and I was like, Sarah knows Kobe. I was like, <laughs> so starstruck. And he was just like, oh, yeah, Sarah knows like all the main guys. Like she's been Aww. around. And I was just like, I want to be here. It was like my Olivia Pope like moment. That's, like, so, that's, cute. Awesome. <laughs> that's so cute. Yes. I yes, love yes. it. Kobe was so nice to me. Like Aww. it's so weird because I didn't know a lot of the like big guys. But because of my counterpart with the Lakers, we had, um, I don't know, it was just we had this little bond. There was a situation with a former player, one of our former players, not to go on a crazy tangent, just to start it off. <laughs> yeah, we love I it. went yeah. through it. It was a little weird. And I was telling my counterpart with the Lakers and then he ran and told Kobe and Kobe's like, I need to meet this girl. And so like, he came out of the training room and was like, tell me this whole thing all the way, start to finish. Oh my gosh. And then after that, like we were always friends. I mean, he would always come and give me a hug. Like when I remember right before he decided that he was going to retire or at least come out and say that this was his last year, he was um, in the trainer and he's like, come and see me after the game. So I went in there and I never do that kind of stuff unless it's like Mm -hmm. a former Mav. And he's sitting there with like various towels on. I'm like so uncomfortable. (laughs) 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 He was just so cool. Like, he was like, when, if you ever become a mom, you'll have all these guys oh. take care of your kids because oh. you took care of them. And I mean, like, so, so kind. So I love that you love that story, Lizelle. That's so cute. It was just like the coolest thing ever. And I'm so, so pumped because if we're already starting it off with a Kobe story, I'm so pumped for this <laughs> because I'm living. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and start with you just introducing yourself. I know I did a little mini intro, but how about you introduce yourself and kind of like what life is like in the basketball PR industry, like in the Mavs, like throughout the NBA. That's kind of the stuff that we want to hear. Got it. Okay. Well, I am Sarah from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I went to Indiana University and worked in sports information there in school, which was a great parlay into the NBA. Um, I had great experience working um, in college and Bob Knight was there. So I had Coach Knight experience, which if you can deal with, you know, a big high profile team and coach, you're going to be prepared for anything, you know, after that. And we had some doozies go down there. So I definitely was like well-equipped. Um, so yeah, I came down as an intern, packed up all my stuff and my sister and I drove down here and then she went straight to the airport and flew back to school. And I made a life for myself here. I was an intern for a year and then they hired me full time. This is 
99 is when I came down. And then, so that was Dirk's second year. Um, and then his third year, I got hired on full-time as a coordinator and then just kind of worked my way up manager. And then my boss left in 04 and um, I was hired. So Mark had faith in like a young chick from Indiana to do the job. And I was really grateful to him and Don Nelson, who was our, our head coach at the time. Nellie was like the sweetest, like grandfather type figure. And, you know, people would, could classify him as old school in a lot of ways, but for him to be that um, open and sweet to like allow me to do the job that I was, you know, already essentially doing. Um, he had no qualms about my gender or, you know, my age. And then the rest is kind of history. And um, I became a VP and then just left in, in December. It was it was a pretty perfect situation. 20 years, you know, the majority of Dirk's career, two finals runs, a championship. Like, I mean, there are so many other little things in there, you know, goods and bads, but like, I just look at it and it's like, it feels very complete. And so I just knew that like in this time of my life, like it was, I felt like really proud of it. And it was time to figure out my next move, which I'm still not quite sure what that is, but yeah, <laughs> well, it's to be continued, right? Love that. I love that. And I love that you just mentioned Nelly and how he kind of didn't care for your gender or whatever and allowed you to really do your job. And that kind of segues into kind of my next question. And I consider you definitely a pioneer in this industry, one of the first women to really be at the table, get to the top, that kind of stuff. But I definitely kind of want to know what were the things that you noticed that it had to like take to get there and maybe somebody that you looked up to and, and why? Well, I, I just was thinking I probably didn't even answer your first question that well, but um, I, I didn't have a lot of female influences. I had a lot of male role models that did this job, but you know, in the mid nineties um, there weren't a lot of females and if they were, they were doing female sports. So like there was the head sports information person at IU that did women's basketball was a female. Um, but you know, it was still a time where I felt like women weren't really like supporting other women either. And so I didn't feel a lot of necessarily nurturing from her. Um, but I did with my former boss, Greg Elkin was his name and he's the one that brought me down to Dallas cause he got the PR director's job with the Mavs and then asked me to be the intern there. But I always tried to treat everybody equally, man, woman, whatever, however many years they've been there, if they've been there 0.2 seconds or 20 years, like I just always tried to maintain um, humility and just be a hard worker and let for, let my job speak for itself. And if that helped me advance, great. Um, if it, you know, allowed me to um, move up the ladder or if I had to go find another job someplace else, that's fine. Like I just, I knew that like, I just wanted to work hard and have a good attitude. And I hope that people saw that in me because there are many moments I look back and I'm like, I was the only girl there for a long time. I mean, now we're fortunate to have somebody like sent represent, you know, um, for all the females, you know, in sports. Um, but she has very few people that she can look around the room and see for herself, you know, but I'm so thankful to have her tutelage for a little bit 
of my time at the Mavs because it was very rare. I mean, it was very white male for a long, long, long time. So there are moments where I'm like, what am I doing? What am I? And then luckily I got to see things change and like people like Lizelle and Becca, you know, you too, like those people started to travel and um, like Katya on the TV side, you know, I was really thankful to see other females hop on the plane because you talk about, you know, the job in the organization, you know, home games, like, of course there's women there, but you go on the road and it is stripped down bare bones. It is a lot of dude. And so <laughs> I was on the plane with mostly men and flight attendants, you know, for a long, long time. So to see some like female faces um, has been really refreshing and it's just good for my, it was good for my soul. And I'm sure Lizelle and, and Becca, you guys could say the same thing because Don Cox used to tell me, all the time he was like oh you must be happy because like Leslie Berry would be on the road like every once in a while she would go with season ticket holders and I was like I'm so happy because there was a girl and so I would wait every once in a while for those moments just to talk about things you know and just be a girl right not that there's anything wrong with like being around a bunch of guys I realized what I signed up for but it's just nice to have female companionship on the road totally yeah I definitely can attest to that. You know, I was the only girl on a, on the road with the Knicks at, when I was traveling with them, um, except for our, you know, sideline reporter. And that was it. And it, it was so lonely. And like, to you know, I remember when I met you um, at the doubt at the Mavs game, you know, the Knicks Mavs game. And when, um, you know, Greg from PR in, in New York and Scott kind yeah. of, you know, introduced me to you, I, in my head, like immediately, I was like, that is what I want. That's where I want to get to one day is like being, you know, being, you know, as far up as you are and, you know, for however long, cause you know, it, it really means a lot to the girls that are, you know, either just starting out or kind of trying to find their way and things like that. So you really are like not, I had didn't even get to work with you, but the way that you have kind of like, you know, every time you approach me and talk to me or, you know, I, encounter you at all it feels like I've known you forever so you know those kinds of people it really it really attests to like you know your attitude and your drive towards this job even when you're not even in it anymore so I really want to thank you for that as well I just wanted to say that um so it means a lot for sure and just kind of that I I also have never really had any female role models in this in this industry until I came to the Mavs, like having Lizelle and obviously Sint and you and things like that. And it's, it's, it's very rare. And it's like, once you find it, you're, you're set to go. So it's very, very um, meaningful. I agree. I, I did have two, there were like two female pioneers that did PR in the NBA. And when I was wrestling with this decision on leaving, um, I reached out to them quite a bit because they're still connected to their teams and one the the woman in phoenix has been there forever julie she's i mean she's amazing um and she has had you know her fair share of struggles too um i think the thing that like females feel really um strongly to is like is their personal life and the balance that they can have between their job and, you know, having a family or a relationship or whatever that may look like. And she unfortunately has never been married and doesn't have babies. And then there's another woman in Portland, Sherry Hansen is her name and she's wonderful. And she 
did get married and has a family. And I would talk to the two of them a lot. And I tried to have um, a family of my own. My husband and I really struggled, you know, with fertility for quite some time. But the thing was like, I think with women, these things are in the back burner of your brain for so long. Um, and you want to like kick ass and like do a really good job and make your mark. And so I was really thankful that I had a job that was my dream and I accomplished so many things and I'm super proud of. And then I'm like, wait a second, all of this other stuff that I want in my life is like lagging way behind. And I'm watching all these kids, you know, get married that were like, I grew up with and, you know, people, um, maybe within the NBA, but different kinds of jobs, not something that's more 24 seven, like, like our jobs tend to be. And so, that really became a priority for me. Um, I really wanted to find somebody to um, spend and share my life with. And I was really fortunate to to have that um, with my husband. I mean, like my husband is the greatest. I love him so much, but <laughs> I think that's the difference between men and women as a society. Like you feel all this pressure to like conform and get married and have babies. And then when you're like, wait a second, I really like what I'm doing. How am I going to do that with having a family and a husband? And I'm sure men go through this too. I'm not trying to like belittle that situation. I just find it to be more so true with women. Like there's just something biologically like connected to that. And so that is really tough. And Lizelle and I have had conversations about this too. And I'm like, you can, you can try and have it all. It, something will always suffer. There's, you can never do everything perfect and, you know, beautiful. Something is going to be kind of messy, but it's out there and you've got to focus on that too. It's important to look at your life and be like, I did it. Like I share my life with somebody or I could have a family or I have this killer job. Like you can do it all. It just, I think for women, we're, we know what we're up against, right? Like this is a highly um, com competitive world and you want to like prove yourself. And so your personal life suffers. It's just part of it. It's just very natural, you know, in that situation. And it's a hard sell to be like, um, by the way, I travel with a bunch of guys, millionaire <laughs> athletes. <laughs> you want to sign up for that? That sounds right. awesome. <laughs> Might be coming home at odd hours. Yeah. On the road for a whole week at a time. Yeah. Right. Might great. include holidays. Yeah. yeah. Nights, yeah. weekends. Yeah. Oh, you want to take a vacation in February? Yeah. If it's not over all-star break, I can't do it. Not happening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's if you're going to all-star break. Already. Yeah. Do you want to go to X city? Yeah. And spend a few days there after all-star break. Yes. <laughs> sure. Oh, geez. <laughs> Agreed on that with, on all fronts. You know, I think that's something that, and Lozelle and I have also talked about this, like it's something we think about all the time and you know, your, your personal life is completely, you have to make a compromise, you know? Um, and we've also talked about this before, you know, the people that are like really prominent in our lives and things like that will know our schedule. So they try to plan things around that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I even tape like the schedule on my parents, um, 
like cupboard, Bridge. like where their yeah. where their stuff is, like in their house. So they know, like, do not call me during this time. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, and you just assume that like people understand that, you know? Right. They don't. Um, yeah. No, they don't. I mean, it's impossible to. My uncle would be like, I don't know what time it is there. I'm like, I'm right in the middle of a press conference. Yeah, I call you back. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's just it's tricky, you know. Just, it's tricky in general to navigate, and so. Um, I'm really proud that I, I got to experience so much in my job and I'm also really proud probably more so that I met my husband and I took, I took really good care of that relationship. Ironically, we met during the lockout in, um, 2011. And I remember in like, they, we met like in March and then didn't date until after the Mavs won. I was like getting out of a relationship and I was like, I don't know about this. And so once <laughs> the, like, it was all wrapped up, like, um, our mutual friends were like, you guys should really give this a try. And so in July of 2011, um, is when we first went out. And so we had a few months, you know, of buildup of a relationship. And then once all everything was agreed upon around Thanksgiving, I remember crying like, no, I'm not ready. I'm oh, not ready to give this up. Oh. Because I knew like what was going to happen. And I had seen it, you know, collapse or like deteriorate in my face. You know, these relationships that you got, you were so proud of, you know, and then the season starts and you're like running around crazy. Um, and it's just tricky. It's, it is just really hard to manage. So um, it takes a special someone, but it's out there. I love that. It's so inspiring. I'm <laughs> <Not> ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, it's like you won the championship and then you're like, okay, you know, I have everything that I need. We have the championship ring. We have this. We have that. <laughs> time for time for the next step. <laughs> yes, for sure. And it's out there for sure. I remember going to Albernay's um, and the like Al actually at the front was like, Oh, let me see your ring. And I was like, I don't have it with me. Um, I thought he meant it like the championship ring. Cause every, all those people know, you know, like yeah. you work for the Mavs, you go into these restaurants, you know, forever. And he was like, no, I know you got engaged. And I was like, Oh yes. I'm so <laughs> proud. <laughs> I'm like way more proud of that ring. That's hysterical. Yes. He wanted to marry me. <laughs> The ring above all rings. Yeah, yes. Really. Um, so I, I know we could probably talk about this forever. Yes. Just like the different, the different, um, you know, things about just being a woman and, and sports and things like that, but kind of transferring over. So, you know, you obviously, like we were just talking about, you were there, you know, from, you know, early, early on in Dirk's career at the end of the nineties. And then obviously won a championship with the Mavs and went to the, finals twice and things like that so you know what was the NBA like as a whole when you first joined the NBA like it, it obviously things were evolved things have evolved tremendously right. so kind of tell us you know how it kind of differed in those 20 years 10 years that you remember well the thing you know the obvious thing is there was no social media like at all like I didn't even have a cell phone that was a smartphone when I came in 99. Like it was like, I had a hundred minutes on GTE, like before they merged with AT&T. <laughs> I mean, like we're going back in time, like fax machines were still, you know, how we communicated a lot. And, you know, I didn't have an email list to send out like our releases or things like that. Like I had to build that 
from scratch. And so there's so many things like that, that like I saw happen. Like I can remember going to all-star when people first had trios, I think was the first smartphone that I can remember that had a camera it was big and bulky and had this like little antenna, <laughs> like a little nub of an antenna. Um, but it was like, that's where it was at. I mean, you could do it all, you know, you could check the web on your phone. I mean, that was oh like gosh. so cool. <laughs> and Dirk and Steve Nash were like singing karaoke at this bar in Atlanta, I believe. And people were up taking pictures of them. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what if this like, like the web and they're, you know, drinking and like having fun. And I was so nervous. And I was like, I'm the PR person. Like I'm not security. There's nothing I can do. This is just how it goes, you know? And that was like, oh, three, probably. I don't know when the Atlanta all-star was like, oh, three or two or something like that. So just even those moments, I was like, you know, like it's crazy. And now like Luca grew up in that time. Mm -hmm. He is used to having a phone and a camera on him all the time. He is playing video games with people probably across the world. You know, he is not, um, he doesn't have any kind of like backlash with, you know, what this this society looks like now as, as far as social media, like he is well adapted. Whereas Dirk, was learning it along the same lines as I was. And so he was always very private in general, you know? And so he didn't put himself into like a lot of social situations where you could get a lot of pictures taken. He wasn't like chatting with fans, you know, he tweets every so often, you know, it took time. I can remember Steve like wearing him down, you know, like he was like, you've got to post something. And so he did it. He didn't even know how to log in. Oh no. Those apps like first came out, Steve did it all for him. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's changed. I mean, we cut out clippings of articles for the morning news and the star telegram, you know, like our intern last year, she didn't even know why we called it clips. We're like, Hey, can you do the morning clips? Cause she didn't know it was like physically cutting out like newspaper. Like that's what we did. So that, that term has stuck, you know? So newspapers are essentially like obsolete in in that sort of state, you know, where you're actually getting it delivered to your house. I mean, I don't see it in my neighborhood hardly at all, like a morning paper. You used to 20 years ago, everybody got the paper. Now you go online and oh, my parents still read the paper. Yeah. Do they? I love it. All over my kitchen table. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so sad. I mean, people that had you know, staffs of hundreds and hundreds of people and the newspaper staff, it's down to like bare bones. So, you know, it has changed a lot, you know, if there was a situation with a player and um, we, I remember in 2011, Karan Butler had like season ending knee surgery midway through that year. And we weren't going to send a release out until after he had the surgery. And then we were going to say, you know, it was successful and here's the timeline and give all the information out to the media um, and the fans. And Karan took a picture of him with his like hospital gown on and like the hairnet that he had to wear right before surgery. (laughs) And he snapped it, like put it out on Twitter and it's like going under, wish me luck. And then my phone started ringing like crazy and my staff. And I was like, nobody answer the phone. Let's figure out. all it takes. Yes. (laughs) I mean, and that's like 2011, like this is what it's like all the time now. So you don't wait till the next morning to get your news. Like it happens like right away instantaneous and so the job grew leaps and bounds i mean 
it's just, you're connected so much. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night and like, see that I had an email from Mark at like 4am and I would like have all this anxiety. Like I should have got it. I should have responded or have a missed call from, from coach. And that is like, it's hard sometimes because like no person needs to get up at 4am unless you hear your phone ring. Right. Like, but when (laughs) I would get had a missed call, I was like, Oh no. But that's just the way the world works in sports and things happen, you know, all the time. And you have to, um, you know, you have to be ready for it in a job like this. But it's changed a lot. I mean, I I remember waking up the morning that Mark bought the team um, and that was in 2000. And I saw the headline in the Dallas Morning News, but I was working for the Mavs at the time and didn't know ahead of time. Like I read it in the newspaper. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In the PR office. Like that's so crazy to me. But now that would have been something where like you get a text in the middle of the night and you right. know, yeah. Don Nelson, when he left, I was eating oatmeal and my pajamas at my apartment. And he's like, smiles when can you get in here? And we were having shoot around like in two hours. So I was like getting ready to like get into the office and he's like, I need all the media here for shoot around. And I was like, well, I mean, we'll have a good group. And he's like, no, I mean, everybody needs to be here. I was like, why? He's like, well, I'm leaving. Is that great? And I was like, no, it's not great. It's the middle of December or something like what is happening? I was like running around my house, just trying to throw on some kind of clothes to like, send a press release out that there was an advisor. It was, I mean, like things like that are crazy. Um, so yeah, it happens oh like, my gosh. yeah. In the moment. So insane. Smiles. I'll soon be here. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. That's amazing. So <laughs> what, so, <laughs> so what did like a game day look like? Like I know like these days, you know, the social people are waiting and right. for, for all the players to walk in and fashion is like a huge, huge, like thing that people focus on now and that's what all the players want is the pictures of their you know uh yeah yeah and things like that so you know pre-game game post-game what did that kind of look like for you so yeah like back in the day man there was no um dress code for these guys so they could wear whatever i mean dirk wore his dry fits like in and out like jeans and a white nike shirt like that's what he wore until there was like actual dress code um, now it's like these guys are dressed the nines all the time. And Fashion even the guys show. that don't really care have to care a little bit, you know, yeah. like somebody like JJ that's a little bit older, that's, you know, doesn't want to, he doesn't have all that flash. Like he always care. looks fresh. Yeah. He, he does. Yeah. Good, yeah. And I'm not trying to crack on JJ. I'm just <laughs> like, yeah. he's a dad and, you know, he's not like, <laughs> you know, walking down like the runway, like some of these guys with their hats and, you know, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Like it's, it's taking a whole different, um, light, which is so cool that people, um, want to look good, but that's what it's all about. It's like their image on their social channels. They want to have yeah. all that content, um, to build up whatever, you know, brand that they're trying to create on their own outside of, of the maps or the team or whatever. So yeah, I mean, that stuff is crazy, but our, my job, um, it on the game day. It's, it's, you know, three availabilities. So we would have a shoot around and then open it up to the media, um, post shoot around and then coach would talk, um, to wrap things up and then pregame he would speak. And then the locker room opens for a half an hour. When I first started, it was 45 minutes, which was so long, That's so 45 long. minutes of like oh watching gosh. the guys play on their phones <laughs> and get treatment. Cause they don't really want to talk. Once they talk and shoot around, they don't want to talk again pregame to the media. It seems a little 
excessive sometimes. So a lot of them hide. And then um, <laughs> coach does it, yeah. Then coach does a press conference and then post game coach does a press conference and then availability. So that's a three times in a in a game day is a lot. And then in the playoffs when you have like off days and you have no new content, really no um in no games in between like four or five days, uh those days, those practice days were hard. Those guys would get so annoyed like there's nothing else to say we literally haven't played a game so I love the season when it's like practice game practice game so the storylines are constantly moving if you know somebody has a bad game on Monday on Wednesday they have another chance you know to recreate whatever they're gonna do that night so I had always said that and I loved basketball because there are so many um constant stories it's not like football where you have to sit on that for a week and sometimes two weeks. Like I loved that about basketball. I love the fast pace. Um, I love that we constantly had shooter on game and then sometimes back to back games. And um, it just, I, I craved the, um, the games and the, the excitement with that. I love the game where we're, or week where we had like three games, four games in a week. I thought that was like so much fun. Um, to have, you know, all the lights and even on the road, like being the guest and showing up and like, there's all my packet of information that I need and my credential and my tickets and um, I can get all this stuff done ahead of time. I just, I always loved um, that part. I still have dreams actually about going to New York and doing tickets. I'll have this reoccurring dream that I don't have enough tickets for everybody. And I like, it's so scared. <laughs> At MSG. Yes. That's so funny. Yes. No, it is really special. Like it's a really special and Bobby and I talked about this on another, you know, episode, it's really unique. And it's something that like, not a lot of people get to do. And that's, you know, it, I, the, when you said crave, I think that's like, the perfect word. Like, I think that, especially with like basketball being, you know, at a pause and things like that, we were talking about the other day, like we miss just, you know, the rush of trying to get to our seat before the game starts. Yeah and sitting down and like being like, yes, we have two and a half hours of, you know, Luca and all in the guys like running around on the court, like what is going to happen tonight? Yeah. And we like crave is the perfect, perfect word. So, yeah. you know, I think we definitely understand. Yeah. I love the games. Games yeah. are so much fun. And especially the playoffs. Like I hate that for you guys this year that you're not going to get that. I mean, I don't know where things stand or how it's going to turn, but, um, you work so hard during the year. And then if you're fortunate enough to, you know, be one of those 16 teams that makes it and those games matter so much more. There's so much more excitement in the building. Like the fans are so pumped. The guys are so pumped. Like it just is a whole different feeling. It's like a second season and it just looks like so patriotic. You've got all the like bunting out and like there's fans like they're in their seats when the tip off happens. Like I just, I loved that. And I was really looking forward to that for you guys. Um, and for me, I mean, I, I certainly would have gone to some games. Um, and that's a real shame that the Mavs haven't gotten that, you know, those chances to get back in so long. And then they had their chance this year and, and then all this, you know, happens and um, it, it, they'll be back. They'll be fine. But it is the playoffs is where it's at, man. That is like when it's like super, super fun. That's so totally. fun that you mentioned the playoffs because that's like the next little segment that we wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. And just like 
I know I've only been to the playoffs once or twice, twice with the Mavs. And those were like first round exits after the first round. But as we rewind these 2011 games on Fox Sports Southwest, we have this kind of classic series that they're just showing the whole thing from the Portland series all the way to the finals. I just kind of wanted to know from your point of view, what 2006 and 2011 were like, like what is going to a championship like? Because that's something that we have not gotten to experience and we would love to like hear your point of view from it. Oh, I love it. I I always tell people, I'm like, I want to say that it's like the greatest experience of my life, but it is the busiest time of your life. Like I, I've told my husband a bunch. I'm like, we need to go back and like watch the 2011 finals games because mm-hmm. I have never done that. And I really need to like, just to sit like, especially right now where we've got time and I can mm-hmm. see myself like right there on the scores um, table. And I'm like, it'll be like a deja vu, like weird out of body experience, you yeah. know? But I remember when we won um, in 2011 and my phone was just bzz, 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 like buzzing like crazy. And I looked down and I had like 160 some text messages. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. And a lot of it is like people congratulating, you yeah. know, me, like, I'm so happy for you. But a lot of it was work. And then I had, I don't even know how many hundreds of emails and my phone, um, my office line was maxed out in voicemails. And I don't know how many boys was that. It was so crazy. And so like I stayed up till four in the morning checking emails and returning calls and text messages. And I didn't go to the club. I didn't have any champagne. Like oh. it's so, so sad. It's hard. Cause like I wanted to do my job yeah. and like, I wish that I had that moment, but like, that was the reality of it. You know, I had to get through the next few days, like the parade planning yeah. and getting whatever information out on what that was going to look like. And picking and choosing the tonight show. This is like how old this is like Jay Leno or Letterman and you couldn't do both. So which do you want to do? You know, so we did the top 10 list and like, yeah. And it's like, it's tough because like they're all coming at you and whatever you decide, then you have to live with that decision and then some other things go away. And, you know, Dirk being Dirk, he's like, I don't want to do anything that doesn't have my teammates in it. So the top 10 list was like the perfect thing for us to do where we could have like a big, you know, group of our players. And then Mark and Rick were a part of that too. Um, So like, I remember getting a Jimmy Fallon request and I love him and I was like, please let's do Jimmy. And this is like early on when he was like the late, late show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, I want to go to New York. Let's meet Jimmy Fallon. But (laughs) yeah, that wasn't his jam. He was not into it at all. So it's funny. I just think back and I'm like, Oh, it's so fun. But it was not like, I was really stressed out. Um, and I remember that night, like going down to the bar and Casey, our, um, head trainer and Scott Tomlin that, um, I worked with for 16 years before he, um, replaced me. Mm-hmm. We had drinks down like in like the food room that the, like the team will have, you know, for yeah. post-game meals yeah. and we had some wine there. And then I went back up to my room and checked more emails. I do love saying this though, like in 06, we should have won. And that was one of those years where like, it was all paved. Like all we had to do is win one in Miami and then close the door back in Dallas, you know? So I think in my head, I was, I was more prepared for the championship run to be that year. Like we would get it then. And so once we had a couple more tries, like in 07, we had the best record in the league and then lost in the first round. And then Dirk won the MVP. And that was like, it was great, but it was bittersweet because yeah. we really thought we were going to win that year too. 
I just didn't think that we would get back there. And so in 2011, it was one of those things where I was like, whatever, this is super rad. We're back, you know, like I get to experience this again. I'll be on vacation by May. Yeah. Like it was just a different feel. And so it was nice too, because we had the flip flop of it. Like we weren't in Miami for, for a week. Like we were in, in 06, we were in Miami for a week and that's not great for the guys. Like, and now they don't even do the two, three, two. So they've changed a lot. I think we were the, maybe the last team that went through that. So Anyways, the format is is way better to have the one 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 because when you're a week anywhere, like things can get a little hairy. And so in 06, Avery pulled the team out of our hotel in Miami and we went to this Marriott in Fort Lauderdale. And those stories are like everywhere. You should ask Daryl Armstrong. It's the craziest stuff. Oh my god, yes. He paired players up with another player in the room which is like a total violation like you're not supposed to have like roommates like you're supposed to have your own room that's like a player association violation anyways it was the craziest (laughs) experiment and we were all like either this is genius or it's gonna like explode in front of us and it exploded like it was bad news but like Dirk gets in the room and there's two beds and he's like, well, this is strange. And then she hears this noise and there comes Daryl like, hey, I'm booking with a big German. <laughs> so oh my crazy. God. It's Dude, wild. It was his roommate? Yes. <laughs> Dying. It's so crazy. So like I was the only girl. I think Avery's assistant, Leslie, was there too. And so we had our own rooms. And that was it. Like, it was so strange. And then we're at this beachfront, like, spring break essential time. Like, it was bizarre. <laughs> and all the media's out front, the the Four Seasons in Miami on Brickle. Like, they're all, like, waiting there to see, like, guys coming in and out and the coaches coming in and out. But all of us are in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> that is like, so crazy. I'm going to have to look up, like, articles from that because that's – I had no idea. That's – it was wild so well now we know what you and your husband should do you should watch the championship and then he should host you in like a a club you get to buy bottles in the club quarantine club at your house exactly you should love it you relive the games and then you get to celebrate oh my gosh oh my god that would be so awesome i remember and then film it looking around because I love champagne and I was like I just want a bubbles. little tiny bit yeah <laughs> some bubbles like in the locker room and then they were all gone I mean everybody was just sprayed to death. and I was soaked I mean like I got so sprayed my hair was all crusty and gross um uh, so, I mean I had that moment in the locker room right but it right. was so it was just so busy but I mean I think back of it very fondly because like I got an experience of a lifetime and so many people work in sports that never get that chance right to feel what that feels like and to experience like when you're good the opportunities that come with that you know like there's so many years that you know the team might not be as as good and you don't get those you know those calls to do things or to pitch a story you know that's super cool because you're not nearly as successful so I'm really thankful that I got those chances um with the team I, I really loved um looking back on it during it it was it was tough I just remember like I felt like I was um I had constant like worry and and like anxiety you know like just keep the balls up in the air just keep them up yeah. in the air like don't let them come crashing down Sarah like hang on you're <laughs> almost through and oh then I gosh. think I like hibernated for a week after everything was said and done like you know the top 10 list and the 
parade and all the exit interviews and then the documentary that comes that the NBA does, like all that stuff like that we had to film um, interviews for. Um, I didn't talk to anybody for like three or four days. I just needed to sleep it off and like yes. get back to neutral. So, but it's I mean, rad, man. Like it is super cool looking back and knowing that I, I went, I had that experience with my coworkers. Like it's pretty rare. You, you don't get that very often. So oh, cool. I'm really lucky. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. So as we wrap things up, we kind of wanted to do this last little rapid fire with you because okay. 20 years in the NBA traveling, we have some questions about what your favorites are around uh, the NBA. So Becca, do you want to like ask her? Yeah. So what was your favorite arena? Two parts. One, to work in, like the atmosphere for you for working and, you know, the, the access that you got and things made easy. And then two, um, your favorite arena for the actual atmosphere or the entertainment or the food or something like that. So what were your favorite arenas? I loved going back to the Midwest because I'm from Indiana. And so I loved, um, it's Banker's Life now, right? Like it was Conceco and then Banker's Life. I, the Pacers games to me were like going home. That was on so, my list too because I really I, liked them. It's so great. Like <laughs> the, the stat crew I've known because I we had games in Indianapolis um, in college. And so some of those old guys that have been there and have been there for like 30, 40 years. So like they treated me like family. And so I love that. And usually I had some friends, family come to those games. So I really looked forward to that. Um, and same with Chicago, it's kind of like my other adopted city. So those two for the atmosphere of like, um, it was a homey. Um, I loved seeing those friends in those arenas and I grew up watching those teams anyway. I was not a Bulls fan. I was a Pistons fan. Um, but like that was still going to Chicago was a big deal, but I loved that because I knew I was going to see friends and their staffs are great. The David Benner, the PR guy for the Pacers, has been there forever. Same with Tim Hallam. So those two. But then New York and LA for the ambiance. I mean, like, I loved going to those. Who are we going to see? Like, what's going to be happening? The, like, lights and the, the ooh-ah factor. Like, that is always fun. Um, I never, ever tired of walking into any of those arenas they're really busy for me because the ticket demands are so crazy and usually people's mm -hmm. families are coming there so it was always busy the media attention is 10 times you know other cities um but once i navigated through that and like sitting and watching the games were always really fun um uh -oh, my neighbor's calling me hold on okay fine okay sorry okay. <laughs> declined was it on the app yeah <laughs> um what was like your favorite road trip of all time? Like tell us about not including the playoffs, obviously, because going to Miami for the finals was probably a lot of fun, but just a regular season road trip. I, um, I love it when we had a couple of days off in between cities. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like if we had a, a West coast trip and we had, um, you know, back to back and then be an off day and there wasn't a practice, like, you could really do something. I mean, that's the only time you can, otherwise there's a practice day in between. And so you're kind of locked in. You can wander around and meander in like San Francisco or whatever, but anytime we could go to the Bay area and I could sneak over to Napa, I really loved oh, that. Yes. Like, that was always really fun for me. Um, so the first time I ever went was in 06, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we had like a group of 10 of us and it was like, 
this is so fun. It's a 45 minute, we rented a limo or some kind of car or whatever, you know, and like went there and had fun and were safe and tasted all day. And that was always like really fun to be able to do those kinds of excursions as a group of with your coworkers. I always really loved that. And like in 07, when we played the Warriors in the first round, my sister lived in San Diego at the time. So she flew up to um, to San Francisco and we did the same thing. Like I remember she had rented a little tiny like Hyundai accent that was like turquoise and she parked it in the loading dock at, in Oakland at the Coliseum. And everybody's getting on the bus and I like hop in her little turquoise car and we go into Napa right after. So I loved that. I mean, I have had people bring me wine to the arena and I'm putting it on the bus. I mean, <laughs> some shadiness going on, but I love, I loved going to the Bay Area. That was always like a blast of a road trip. What was the, your favorite food from any of the arenas? Like which arena had the best food like during your time? I got the most excited when there was pretzels. So in Philadelphia, in New York, and in Memphis for all, I don't know why, like randomly, they always had um, halftime pretzels, the soft ones, you know, I would get super excited. I wouldn't have a lot of dinner. And then at halftime, I would like sprint to the press room to get a pretzel. So like, I got a lot of like joy out of that. And I would take it and hide it and like bring it down to the <laughs> table and like eat it during the timeouts. That's great. I love that. Yeah. But I just, I loved New York. Like for as cool factor as it is, it's also like old school, you know, it is yeah. still has that feel of, you know, the seventies and the eighties of like the hot dogs and the pretzels and the peanuts and like very like bare bones, but like that's bar food. It's sports yep. food. You know, yep. like I, yep. I loved that about it. Um, and then the last one, what is your favorite memory? It could be with any player, but like, what is your favorite memory with one of the, any Dallas Mavs player that you've ever had? Gosh, that's like so hard to say. I and mean, there's I so many, like, I just, I love, um, personal for you, like not, yeah. Yeah. Like Jason Terry has like checked on me this year, which is so nice. And I just love that. Like I love that makes me like get all teary, but like he is like the sweetest guy and would do anything. And when we would like have long road trips, a lot of times I would check into the hotel and then on my pillow in the bed would be like, this sounds like I'm going on a different tangent. I promise you. Like it's a clean story. No, you're good. <laughs> like there'd be a gift certificate for the spa. And I was like, what on earth? And so he would do that kind of stuff for like special people that he worked with all the time. And I was one of them. And I would have to tell him like, stop, like (laughs) money on your little girls. Like I don't need, like a lot of times I couldn't even use it because I just didn't have enough time to enjoy it. But he would do stuff like that all the time. I mean, all the time I would have like, you know, a message on my phone and it was like blinking and I was like, Jason Terry, you know, gave you a a spa service. Like, please check in with the spa and like, And he did that. He would always give Christmas presents. Like he was just so, so kind. And so I look back, I like people like him that didn't need to do that, you know, but he did like so unselfishly. Like it's, that was like the sweetest. He was so kind. He's a sweetheart. I know. Yeah. There's so many stories I could go on and on and on. on. (laughs) We've had so many great guys come through here. I'm so lucky. Yes. And you so. got to see the rise and the retirement of Dirk. And it's funny because yeah. I think Becca mentioned that in the last like um, pod that we were on is that I feel like that's kind of Luca 
for me, I guess. Not yeah. not really. I mean, I got to see the kind of tail and the jerk, but then being there for Luca's like um being drafted and then we got to go for his rookie of the year award in LA. So it was fun, like just in his one year as like the draft and then the award. It was fun to see that. So it's fun to hopefully see the rest of his career yeah. the way you got to see Dirk. It is. It's a big deal. Like to see the like the evolution. And I remember one of the media people asked me for like all of his headshots, like all 21 seasons. And so I was like downloading him one day and sending him off. And I was like, gosh, just to see the like how he like he matured and his hairstyles changed. And like, I knew, you know, a lot of like what was going on in his life, you know, personally and his relationships and him getting married and having a family and like being there with with a coworker like that and like growing up with them is a really cool experience. And like a lot of us were around the same age Mm -hmm. when we all started working with the Mavs and we, I've seen like so many people, you know, like get married and have families and like have all these like successes outside of work too. And it's really cool to look back. It's like your other little family, you know, Mm -hmm. and like we all grew up together and it's a really beautiful thing to be able to work with people that you really love um love and experience like the same you know schedules and things and accomplishments so I'm very thankful and very grateful and um I look back very fondly at all these these memories that's always fun yeah well, you girls are so sweet thank you for having me yeah Sarah seriously thank you and you know it's been great kind of hearing just your journey, number one, and number two, like your memories and, you know, how things have evolved. And I think we can all kind of take away from, like, from you is like, you know, that drive and, um, you know, that you really, you know, worked for this team for 20 years, which is so insane, but it's doable. And you, and you, you know, kept working and kept getting to where you wanted to be. So that's really um, inspiring to us. So thank thank you, Sarah. And um, if, to all of our listeners out there, hope you enjoyed our podcast. Um, make sure to follow um, Dallas Mavs if you aren't already. What are you doing? We usually say that a bunch of times. Um, yes. And then follow Let's Tell Lizelle and D. Genicove on Twitter. Um, and rate, review, subscribe, Mavs Plain. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>